Hey there, Crosswinds family and friends. Welcome to Crosswinds Unleashed. Each week, we're dedicated to bringing the best stories and biblical life principles from authentic believers. Our podcast breaks down the Christian life through interviews and practical instruction in a fun and accessible way. I'm Craig Cooper, the host of this podcast and lead pastor of Crosswinds Church. Let me give a special shout out to Elijah Merrill, our producer, and Sheldon Boyce, our assistant producer. I have sitting in studio with me uh, two uh, regulars, I would say, on our podcast. We have Betty Ryan. Betty, thank you for being here with us. I'm grateful to be here. And we have Ryan Samuels. Ryan, thanks for being with us. I'm excited. We are going to be talking about, um, as this will air, uh, we're two days away from Palm Sunday, or what we call the triumphal entry. And so we are going to talk a little bit about um, a particular implication that we can sort of think about as we approach this uh, beginning of what we call Passion Week. We can talk about Passion Week a little bit, too. Um, you know, the idea of Passion Week speaks of what Christ went through, uh, uh, including his crucifixion. But we'll be talking about that a little more on the next episode, which will hap- which will be aired actually on um, Good Friday. Um, but for now, I, I want to set the stage a little bit. And so uh, hang in there with me because it's going to take me a little bit. Um, but I want to I set the stage. Uh, so Palm Sunday or, or the triumphal entry, uh, you might have heard of. Uh, it referred to as both. Um, of course, it's called Palm Sunday because as Christ is is entering into Jerusalem uh, before that Passover week, entering into during that Passover week, uh, they're dropping palm branches before him. Of course, they're they're singing Hosanna, and and we'll talk about that song a little bit because it can be very misleading um, uh, to some of those who just read it. Um, what's really happening there? Um, but also, he's it, it, a triumphal entry because he's entering into Jerusalem to do something quite spectacular, uh, which is, of course, die for the sins of the world and, of course, be resurrected um, for our salvation, for those who who place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But as all these events are happening, I, I want to I set the stage a little bit. Um, as we read the scripture, there's two levels of things happening. Now, they're intertwined because God is sovereign. And so he's, you know, he's he's controlling the events, and yet people have their choices, and they're they're a part of these things. But God in His sovereignty knows all these things are going to happen, and and so you have the first level, which I would say, what God is doing at this moment, and then the second level is is sort of what are the people expecting, what are, what are they experiencing, what how are they interacting, and and all those things. And so for us to really get into it. I'm going to break down the crowd. So Jesus is coming, and there's a crowd, but there's four groups of people at least within that crowd that I want to talk about, and maybe what they were looking for in Jesus, because uh, I think that's so important. Uh, the first crowd I'll call the Pharisees, because that's what they were. They're Pharisees, the religious elite, if you will. And, and as they're looking at Jesus, they're seeing him as a troublemaker. They're, they're fearful that their position and power is going to be taken away from the Ro- by the Romans uh, because he's going to cause trouble. And so as he's coming in, they're not laying palm branches before him. In fact, uh, they ask him to tell the people to stop uh, cheering for him, uh, to which Jesus uh, famously says within Scripture, well, if, if I were to stop them, the rocks would cry out. Um, but, but that's a group of people who we know from this day, they were already doing it, but certainly from this point on, they're seeking for him to be eliminated. And so that's the Pharisees. So when you say, you know, what were they looking for in Jesus? Well, they were looking for Jesus to, to exit stage left. They, they don't want him a part of the scene at all. 
The second group I'll say is the zealots. Now, the zealots, they're, they're the ones who are causing a lot of problems for the Romans. In fact, at the end of the week, you'll have Barabbas, who's a criminal, but also probably part of this group, who the, who the crowd is giving a choice to say, Pilate says, I'm going to release one of these two. Pilate says, I'm going to release either Barabbas or I'm going to release Jesus. And the group says, give us Barabbas. And the zealots were really looking to Jesus and saying, you know, this is a person who possibly can be the chosen one to overthrow the Romans and bring Israel back to prominence, self-rule, power. And so they want Jesus to be a, a political, not just reformer, but really, uh, when you think about it, a revolutionary. And he was in a sense, but not in the sense the zealots wanted. The disciples. Uh, the disciples at this point don't totally understand what's happening. We know that because later in the Gospels we find uh, after this account that the Gospel writers want to make us understand, but they didn't even understand the resurrection until later. Um, and many times when Jesus would talk about dying and the resurrection, um, the disciples would always change the subject, usually to the topic of what type of authority are we going to have in your kingdom? So disciples are stoked. I mean, Jesus is coming in. He's being celebrated. You can picture them thinking, man, this is the beginning of our part of being a big deal. We're not just going to be fishermen. We're not just going to be a tax collector. We're not. We're going to actually rule with Jesus. Um, So that's how they see this day. The last is the crowd themselves. And I think it's the crowd in this event is usually the most misrepresented when I hear people talk about them. Because they think that the crowd sees Jesus as the Messiah, which they might, but they have sort of a, a skewed view of Messiah. But it's because of the song they sing. The song that they're singing, a lot of people say, and it is, it is, it is a prophetic song about the Messiah, but it was sung every Passover. So the fact that they were singing that was not necessarily special for the event of people coming into Jerusalem on Passover. Every single year they sang that song coming in. And so I'm not sure that the crowd is, is well represented when we say that they're, rec- they're recognizing Jesus for who he is. I don't believe they are. Each person in that crowd is sort of recognizing him for who they want him to be. In fact, throughout the Gospels, the crowd usually sees Jesus as a miracle worker and a giver of food. In fact, they invite friends over and over again to either come and see the miracle worker, get healed, uh, let's get our free lunch. And when Jesus actually, in John 6, uh, says to them, all you're doing is coming for the free food, but I'm, I'm telling you, unless you eat of my flesh, drink of my blood, in other words, he does this, does this hard teaching and says, many of them left never to return. Um, so the crowd, I, I'm, not, I'm not too quick to say, okay, they recognize Jesus. They too have an agenda of who they want Jesus to be. We don't know if some of them are a part of the same crowd that chooses Barabbas over Jesus. Possibly so, but there are so many people in Jerusalem we really don't know. And so when you hear us preachers uh, equate to two crowds as the same, we don't know. Okay, There's no indication in the Gospels that it's the same crowd. In fact, crowd is used over and over again, and it would be sort of ridiculous to think that the, the exact same people are in every crowd mentioned throughout the Gospels. So that that's a long Long way to, to set the stage, but I want to, I want to not just talk about what what um, Palm Sunday and the triumphal entry is. We did that last year in this episode. I want to turn the corner a little bit and ask the question. You know, when and and Betty, I'll go to you first. When when we look at Palm Sunday and the triumphal entry and Jesus is entering in, all four of the Gospels talk about this. We see these four crowds, and it's easy to sort of pick on them. 
and say, you know, what Jesus did they want? Um, but I believe there's there's many of us in our culture, in particular, when we look at Jesus, the question is, are we really desiring the biblical Jesus, the real Jesus, the genuine Jesus, who's Savior and Lord, or are we coming to Jesus for something else? Do we, do we want him to be something else? You know, is he ibuprofen Jesus? Just take away the pain. Is he, is he talk so Jesus? You know, just tell me what I need to hear to feel better about myself. Is he sort of the, the, the passive friend Jesus with no matter what I do, oh, he loves me anyway. You know, and he does love us, but, but he's Savior and Lord. And, and as a follower of Christ, there's expectations of, that we become more and more like him. So when you think about that, that day of coming in, of course, it, it, the big part is Jesus weeping over the city which gives us a huge indication they didn't understand who he was. In fact, he predicts the fact that the city will be wiped out, the temple. And, of course, that happens, 70 AD by the Romans. So it, it, he, he knows, you know, they're, they're going to reject him in mass. Not all of them, but in mass. Um, but when you look at it, what Jesus do people want? What, what type of thoughts come through your head? You know, you've been pastoring for a while. You've been a believer for a while. You know, yourself personally and those around you. Yeah, so you say that, and there's this one— there's this one book that I really love by A.W. Tozer, and he says, what we know about God is the most important thing about us. And so that's what comes to my mind when I see all of these people. You've described it so well. You see all of these different people coming in and um, desiring something. And I think the crowd mentality was ramped up. So if one person got started, the, the others got started, and they didn't even know what they were doing. I appreciate the history that you shared that talked about the song was saying every year. You know, so, so they didn't even know what they were looking at. And maybe what you're asking in the question is even today, we see Jesus and we look at Jesus and we think we don't know what we're looking at, who we're looking at. I don't want to disregard that. We don't know who we're looking at either. And that is huge to our understanding of his true love and our, you know, who we are and how we come to Christ and all of those things. And so I appreciate your introduction there as I think about our own introduction to Christ. And it, it I don't know that it's changed. We have all of these different ideas and all of these different um, hopes for self, you know, whereas Jesus was about saving um, people, in, not just self, but saving people. Yeah, you know, let me let me ask you this, Betty, because yeah. that makes me think of the fact that you know people sometimes will will come, they'll ch- come to church, they'll say, "I tried out Jesus," you know, that type of language, or "I tried church," and they walk away because they they said it didn't it didn't meet my needs. Mm-hmm. And and we know as believers that God is always true to His promises. So any promise in Scripture, you know, that He lives up to His promise. Some of those are conditional. Mm-hmm. You know, in other words, you know, uh, he'll say, when you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. And so, you know, the, well, what does it mean? Well, it doesn't mean everyone's going to find him. Uh, if you seek me with all your heart, you're going to find me. And so he's always true to his promises. Um, and so when, when I hear people say that, and, and, you know, when I'm tempted in my life to, to sort of feel that way, I have to sit back and say, well, what promise has God not fulfilled that he's made? You know, the reality of it is, could it be, and, I, and I, I'm sort of a leading question, but could it be that... My problem is I've made up a promise that he's not living up to. You know, it's like my thing. It's like, well, he should be promising this. 
and I walk away because I don't get what I want. Yeah, that's where – so where's our hope? Our hope is in what we can do because that's where we've lived our life for so many years. You know, my hope is in um, what I can accomplish, and I've got to do all that I can to accomplish that. So if this is the God I believe in, he's going to provide all of these things for me so that I can have joy and life and purpose when that's not it at all. You know, not that he does not provide the the things of our heart the things of our heart that he has laid there. Yeah, that's good. And they will bring us the such... The condition, right? Yeah, they will bring us such amazing When my heart joy. becomes like Jesus, I'll mm-hmm. desire what he wants for me, exactly. and then my heart's desire will be fulfilled. Exactly. Probably not the first day I say yes to Jesus, what's in my heart probably won't be fulfilled because I haven't even begun that process of being conformed into his image. But the important thing is to know, I think, that he's laid those things in your heart because he knows you and he created you. Yes. And he... he the intimacy with which he knows you means that he has created something specifically for you. That's good. In a, in a sense. Yeah, that's good. Ryan, let me ask you this. You know, one of the things that I that we talk about quite a bit on this podcast is the progressive church. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what I mean by that is when people ask me, you know, well, what am I? I, I usually will say I'm an Orthodox Christian before anything else. I'm a part of a clan called the Wesleyan Church, but really when it comes down to it, I'm an Orthodox Christian. They'll say, well, what's that mean? Which I always love. And I say, well, I believe I take the Bible at face value. And I try to live according to it. In other words, I, where, where I know it's supposed to be literal, I take it literal. Where I know it's a parable, I take it parable. In other words, I, I study it the way it was intended from its original authors, right? Mm-hmm. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. And I try to live my life according to that through the power of the Holy Spirit. The progressive church, on the other hand, uses the Bible as a suggestion book, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the way I would look at it. They pull out things that they don't like. They, they talk about things they do like. And they distort things to their own opinion, Right. This is going to get into the weeds a little bit, but what I do is I say, Jesus, I study the scripture and I try to say, okay, what is the scripture saying that I apply it to my life? Um, what they do, no, that's exegesis. Got it wrong. That's exegesis. What they do is eisegesis, which is the reverse. What they do is they want, what do I want? And they speak into the scripture what they want it to say. So exegesis, I live by what the scripture says, mm-hmm. then apply it to my life. Eisegesis, I take my life and sort of try to get the scripture to agree with me. Yeah. And so when I look at that, I, I think we live in a day and age, so it's 2023, right? We live in a day and an age where, where the difficulty for people who are seeking out Christ is if you were to go maybe 40 years ago, there were just those who believed and didn't believe. You know, there were there was sort of the liberal church who said, well, we don't believe there's an actual God, but we believe in these principles. Mm-hmm. And then there was this Orthodox church, you know, which we're a part of. It says, no, we believe in the Bible. We believe there's a living God. We believe there's, there's power and salvation in Christ. Now there's this progression church, which I won't say bridges the two because it doesn't. But it exists somewhere in the midst where it's like, well, we believe there's a Jesus, but but we don't believe he's necessarily the Jesus like exactly in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Or uh, you'll hear a progressive Christian say something like, yeah, I believe there's God, but let's not talk much about the Old Testament God. Let's talk about the New Testament God. And there's only one God. I mean, yeah. he's the same. He's consistent. He is who he is. And, and so when you look at that and you think of the progressive church and and, and, and who Jesus is, how does that influence the way you look at an event like Palm Sunday or the triumphal entry mm-hmm. and and all these things we're talking about? Yeah, I don't I mean the more and more that I get into church now, <clears throat> I've been a part of it for a while, but the more you talk to people is it's become the progressive church I think is a direct response to our culture today because our culture today is well, you know, 
if you want food, you don't have to go out and get it anymore. You just call somebody or put it on an app and it'll be, it'll come to you or whatever you want. I think there's, we've made it in culture to where you can just go and find what you want in, in any type of facet. And so <clears throat> trying putting myself in, in the mindset of, you know, a progressive Christian or, or uh, someone who, you know, looks at it like that. I see this. <clears throat> now, I'm assuming that they're probably not looking at this passage like you had presented it to us where there's these four different types of people. I'm assuming they're probably looking at it like there's just a group of people. So this group of people, <clears throat> I, I view it a lot as, you know, if they're going to be looking at this and they're saying, and they're saying, Jesus is coming for me, for me, not for you, not for you, but for me. What? So I think of the zealot that you were talking about is what, it, what can he do for me or my community situation? And so when we talk about the progressive church, it's so hard to get into that mindset because they are looking at Jesus as someone who can offer them something that they need, that they want. I wouldn't even say it's necessarily a need because at the end of the day, if I go to Jesus and I say, hey, I need money right now, you might need money, but it's also a want. There's a difference there. Um, And so you're looking at this in this scripture of him coming in, weeping. There's a question you have to ask yourself. If I'm in that situation and we're all celebrating, we're all happy. Oh my goodness, he's coming, he's coming. But yet he's weeping. The question that you would ask is, well, why is he weeping? This doesn't seem like a celebratory situation. He looks sad. He looks upset. Now, granted, they're probably not putting themselves in the disciples' shoes. So they're not... They're not putting themselves in the situation of, oh, Jesus is coming in. He's going to, he knows what's happening. He knows he's going to die. They're probably putting themselves in, I would assume, the crowd's shoes of the this. You're there because of FOMO. You're there because everybody else is doing. You do this every year. Of course you're there. Why wouldn't I be there? Um, and in that situation, you ask yourself, well, I'm not. The zealot. I don't want him as a political figure. I'm not a disciple. I'm not um, a Pharisee. I'm just here. I'm just present. So I don't necessarily need to go deeper than that. Maybe I am going to get a meal out of it. Cool. Or I don't know if they would go any deeper than that. Yeah. I mean, you know, if there's people in a group who have been healed, mm-hmm. that they're going to see him a little different, or people in a group who had a friend who was healed, if they or if they were part of the miraculous yeah. feeding, I mean, that that's. You'd have to experience. Yeah, you'd have him. to experience those things. But what are, what are they really looking for? And I think you know the question that sort of, and I use the word haunts me a little bit today, is you know when people are coming to Jesus, like you know right now, as this is airing, you know the Asbury um, movement of God. I'm not going to mm-hmm. call it a revival because we don't know what it is until later, right? We got to mm-hmm. see what the lasting fruit is and all those things. A lot of conversations about that. Oh man, is this it? Is this it? Mm-hmm. And, and it's like here's the, here's the reality. I guess I, I pray for revival. I do. I, I pray that once again. And we live in the, if you're listening to us in the Finger Lakes region, the greater Rochester area, you know, we're part of all that here in New York. And this was an area that had a substantial revival under Finney um, by God. But, you know, the Finney revival, the, we were known as the burned over district, meaning that the whole area was sort of reached 
uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, if you can imagine this, Finney told church planners and missionaries, no need to come here. There's other places who need you more. That's not true today. We actually live in one of the most unreached areas in our country. Um, so I do pray that that happens once again, but not the way it did. Mm-hmm. And I realized that for that to happen again, it's not going to be an emotional thing. It's, it's not going to be... Wow, just a bunch of spectators, yeah. you know, because I love it because, you know, even at Esprit, they're like, wow, there ended up being like hundreds of people showing up. And I hear thousands. There weren't thousands because I know the chapel came and hold that many, but uh, there were hundreds. And they would show, you know, and they, they were showing up for this thing. And, and that's great. That's mm-hmm. great. And if there was life change. But let's be honest, many of these people were going just to sh- for the show. Yeah. They were going to see what was going to happen. It was no different than this group right here. Mm-hmm. You So you had the spectators. Yeah. So I think about that. But then you also had... Like I think of the crowd, each the disciple, the Pharisee, the zealot had a reason to go. Yes. The crowd, they went, they could have been like, I'm just going to go because maybe, I don't know, maybe he's going to give me some food. Yeah. Or, or maybe, maybe I'm going to see something really cool. Yeah, maybe I'm gonna see, but they just, they showed up. Yeah. Not, they're not going to see what does Jesus have right. in store. They're going to say, what is he going to, what am I going to get out of this? And except for the entourage with Jesus, many of them were just there anyway. Yeah. To fulfill their own expectations. Right. I mean, they were there because it's Passover. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's just what you say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that that to me is just you know it's it's when we think of where we're at today, people I believe hunger for Christ. I believe that mm-hmm. God's put eternity within our heart. They hunger for Christ. The question is, are they seeking Him with all their heart? And I ask even that, and and I I got to watch myself. But maybe this is you mentioned Tozier, Betty. Tozier would definitely ask this question: Are many in our churches seeking the genuine Christ? Are they seeking a a life changing experience as the Scripture describes mm-hmm. it? Are they seeking something of their own making? And I think that's with this podcast what we're sort of talking about: is seeking something with their own making. And that scares me a little bit because yeah. well, it scares me a lot because if that's it, you're you're gonna you're gonna fail yourself. God's not gonna fail you. You're gonna fail yourself. Well, if you're going to if you're going to church with that mindset, not even church, just to I'll just be so general, a religious function. Yeah. And you're going with the mindset of all of these expectations or all of these things that I I need this to happen for me to really enjoy this place that I'm at. So if I go to church, I need to enjoy the worship. I need to enjoy the songs that are being sung. The singer needs to be good. I hope the pastor speaks on something that I understand or know. And want to hear. You have Yeah, you have all these conditions that there's no possible way. I attend Crossroads. I work here. Every weekend is not right up my alley of what I think what I would want to hear every weekend. Granted, Scripture is mostly things I don't want to hear um, because I'm a human. Um, but like in the way of understanding— You're talking about those holy ouch moments. Yes, yeah, yeah, those holy. Yeah, say I'm not yeah. saying so, like, so like, oh, you know, it, You're saying stuff <laughs> that, that it doesn't necessarily—it's not warm and fuzzy. Yeah. It's, hey, um, this is the path. It's but truth. If I, but if yeah. I'm approaching Scripture and be like, if I, if I read anything that kind of yeah. makes me feel a little uneasy, I'm out. I'm out because that's yeah, too I, much. I would honestly say that if you're if you're in a church, and I'm going to say that even if you're at Crosswinds, and every weekend you can say, man, everything I heard made me feel warm and fuzzy, you're probably not in a gospel preaching church. Mm-hmm. But there's times where there's a holy ouch moment that you need, and I need, 
where there's something that I'm not living the way I'm supposed to, and I need to be called out on that. Yeah. And, and if the preaching never does that, you're probably not in a good place. And, and I've heard people say, well, I'm just, I just need encouragement in this season of my life. Well, no, what we all need is encouragement to be more like Jesus. And sometimes that's, wow, I'm doing well there. Thank you. That's affirmative. Sometimes it's holy ouch. I need to, mm-hmm. I need to work on that area. And, and that's just the way it, it, the, the church is. And you said something, Ryan, that really, really makes me, um, and then we'll, we'll sort of wrap up here, but that really makes me think about why we're even gathering. So let's take a Sunday morning worship experience, right? We say we're here to we're here to put the glory on, of God on display. Mm-hmm. And so if someone's leaving a situation like that disgruntled and all they're using is I terms, I didn't hear what I wanted to hear. I didn't see what I wanted to see. I didn't feel what I wanted to feel. Um, I didn't like the volume. I, I didn't like this. I, 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 I. They're not here for the right reason. Uh, because it put the glory on the display is, well, man, God was glorified. I got to hear that testimony. I got mm-hmm. to hear what God was doing in that person's life. I got to experience what you know what it means to to worship God and, and through those words, even if you don't like the the music to say, mm-hmm. man, through those words I got to I got to be reminded of how good God is and how powerful God is. And you know, and so it's interesting. I can find in my own life when there's a lot of I words, you know, I, 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 uh, I'm in trouble. And I, I would just say, I, I think if you if you look over the 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 Passover, this this Palm Sunday, this this whole entire week that we call Holy Week in Christ's life, and you look at it with the two levels I talked about, what God is doing, His sovereign plan. So the people there who are singing the song they sing every year, that's a prophetic song. God intended that. So think about that. Every year He intended. Christ walks into it at this moment when they're singing it. Powerful, powerful, no doubt. But on the human side, there's a lot of I things happening mm-hmm. here. I, 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 right? And that's why they're not getting a whole lot out of it. And so, you know, when we when we talk about that, triumphal entry, you know, Palm Sunday, um, Betty, I'll give you sort of your last word, Ryan, your last word, then I'll wrap us up. You know, this whole tension between seeing Jesus for who he really is, seeking him for who he really is, receiving him for who he really is, and this I, 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 no, no, I want Jesus in my image, what would you say to people out there who are maybe seeking Christ, been walking with Christ? I mean, just just whoever you want to talk to, let us know what group you're talking to, and then uh, give us sort of your last word. I think I would talk to um, any believer who is discontent, you know, to say that uh, open your heart a bit because when you are the crowd at that Palm Sunday and you're coming and you're, you're just in the excitement and the mode in all of this – Jesus was there. I mean, he was there. Think about that. Jesus was there, and yet the people didn't see him. And I think that is so true of us today. So my, my words would be to open your eyes to, um, to his majesty, to his um, sovereignty. That's you good, know. Betty. Yeah. That's good. Right? I would say I'm, more, I, I'm speaking to the people who are, are chasing that, that Jesus high, that that Asbury, I'm gonna go there because I want to see what's happening because that's gonna give me something. And like I said, I'm not I'm not denying what's happening. No, I've at had Asbury. friends there and, and I, have spoken I very highly yeah. about the work of God in people's lives. I'm certainly not downplaying what God mm-hmm. did there. It's gonna do my the fear that I get into is those people when I hear people say I'm church shopping yeah. or I'm. You know, I'm I'm just feeling out Jesus right now. I'm trying Jesus. I hear, okay, well, 
How many time, how many churches are you going to try until you get that little sip of Jesus high that you need, that you want, that then you'll be there for a little bit, and then you get that holy ouch moment, and then you leave? My thoughts to that is <clears throat> I don't think any church, any small group, anything like that is going to give you exactly 100% of what you want out of Jesus. The only way that that happens is through, and it may never happen, but the only way that can happen is a a one-to-one conversation that you have with Jesus through scripture. That's the only way. Because I can go to church, I can go to small group, and I'm going to have humans there. I'm going to have those who who are fallen there, who are giving their opinions and giving their interpretations of scripture. The only way that you're going to be able to really understand what Christ is wanting for your life, not what you want Christ to do for you, but what Christ wants you to do, you know, and in, in that is to engage in his word. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, that just piggy, I'll piggyback on that for my final word. I just, for those of you out there, I, w- I want you to know that that we've all, and I think the three of us would, would could give story after story in our own life, in our own spiritual journey, where we approach God and wanted him to do something for us. And sometimes that that's he wants us to come and by the way and share those things with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's he's not saying don't come and, and share that. And as we grow in Christ and he sort of um, crafts us into the image of the Lord, you know, some of those things will change. The way we ask for things will change. And so I'm not trying to God says, come to me as you are. I'll meet you where you are. But then I'm going to take you on a journey becoming like Jesus, this lifelong journey with him. But I think when everything's said and done, I want you to hear this from me. And I'll say this to any group out there. The Jesus of Scripture, who's the only Jesus, by the way. And so I don't want to, I don't want to like separate, you know. <laughs> he, he's Lord and Savior. He is all you really need. Mm-hmm. He's all you need. Like you've been created for a relationship with him. And if you come at him trying to create him in your image, you're not going to get what you really need. Your journey is to is explore the scriptures, understand who Jesus really is, and understand, and that's the Jesus you're receiving. He is more than we could ever ask or imagine. He is more than we'll ever need. He 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 is the one who gives abundant life to those who come to him for who he is and what he wants to do in your life. And, and it, is, it will totally transform your destiny, but it will totally transform your today when we approach Jesus that way. And when I approach a day like that, walking with, with that Lord, my day is totally different than the day it's about me. I want to make it about him. Lord, you through me make a difference. And so I just want to encourage you as you, uh, especially if you're, you're heading out to church this Sunday, Palm Sunday, you know, be excited about what that day represented because it, it kicks off a quite a fantastic week mm-hmm. as we'll talk about next week. Uh, but, but put on the Bible glasses, you know, yeah. put on the Bible lenses and look at the event through the eyes of Scripture. What's really happening there? And, and I think you'll find that you'll, you'll, you'll find a richer story than maybe you've ever approached before. Well, thank you for joining me. Uh, thank you so much, Betty and Ryan, for being here. They're going to be a part of the next podcast as well. Next week, as we look at Good Friday. Good Friday. That's sort of interesting, right? Good Friday. We'll talk about that a little bit. But join me next week. And remember, uh, check out crosswinds.church. That's where you can find out all things about this podcast and also about the Crosswinds Church itself. For now, be blessed and bless others. Bless others.